0: The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision.
1: Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. Talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. G20 meet at the end of the week as President Trump and President Xi... we're going to try to come up with some sort of truce terms in the trade war. Probably won't get a deal done. Not expected to, but constructive talk is the idea. Next week we get July 4th. A lot of people are going to be off next week vacationing. Maybe not a lot of strength in the markets, not a lot of trading action. No surprise at this juncture right now that you know we're kind of paying attention to the G20 and then we're, while we're packing up our cars. So... Wouldn't it be great if Michael Buffer did the introductions in Japan at the G20 meeting? Ladies and gentlemen, in this corner, let's get ready to rumble. Probably not going to happen, but that's kind of the the way the media is wanting it to happen, for sure. The South China Morning Post carried a piece today in which it suggested both sides have already agreed to a truce in order to continue the negotiations. But yet, if they come out of the meeting with, quote-unquote, a truce, we would go, hey, well, that's something. Now, the Wall Street Journal has a different take on it. He thinks the Wall Street Journal article uh, writer thinks President Xi out of China is going to present President Trump with a list of demands to be met before China agrees to any trade deal. Um, China's got a lot of complicated laws that kind of stop American companies from being American companies. They have to have joint ventures in China, Uh, and that's something they don't seem to be willing to change. Chinese sources who spoke to the Wall Street Journal said Mr. Z will require the United States to end its ban on U.S. tech companies selling to Huawei, lift all punitive tariffs, and stop asking China to buy more from the U.S. than it had previously agreed to in December. Hmm. Boeing's down fairly large today, down 3.3%, down 12 points. They've gotten hit with another nasty little report that the FAA has discovered another issue in the 737 MAX fix that has not been addressed by the planned software changes. It's bad news has led to the expectation that the 737 MAX will be grounded even longer. September through, de- September through December is what people are expecting. Um, anything longer than that, and it's really going to drag on. This brings up a question about Boeing's earnings prospects. Boeing, for their record, has a PR website where basically they tout how safe their planes are and how they've carried over every person on the planet four times on an airplane on a Boeing 737, but not a 737 MAX. And two planes went down where the pilots weren't able to get control back of a plane. So the economic data out there isn't very big today. It's the third estimate of the first quarter GDP. And we're like, first quarter? That's a long time ago. Wall Street tries to look ahead, not backwards. Department of Labor comes out with a report every Thursday on the initial jobless claims, and they're still good. We're sitting at 227,000 first-time unemployment claims, and that's a good number. Continuing claims... Of Americans who continue to be on unemployment, 1.68 million. That's a pretty large number, but it's not as large as it has been. And I'll tell you, uh, I'm not saying I'm a man of the people because that, that's way over exaggerating it, but I'm kind of a man of people. I know a lot of people. And the people that I know that are on unemployment or disability, it's not a lot of money, but damn, is it addictive. Do you know what I'm saying? People uh, get a government handout, and they're like, I don't want to go back to work. It's not a lot of I can make more money at McDonald's than I can do doing this, but I'm not going to McDonald's. So that's kind of unfortunate. A lot of media attention on last night's debate. Initial batch of Democratic presidential candidates. There was a technical glitch. Uh, for his part, Donald Trump, I believe, was on Air Force One. He he, he tweeted, boring. <laughs> The second debate is going to be tonight. There's too many candidates. When did this suddenly become a thing that we have 20 people running for president? Tonight, we're going to get former Vice President Joe Biden, and it'll be interesting to see how presidential he is and if the Democrats kind of attack their own, so to speak. So that's out there. I know you're saying, not a lot of good stories out there today, huh? Boeing stock falling on news. The company will have to address another problem. That's the big story. Way Wayfair workers. This story kind of broke yesterday during the show. Wayfair sells furniture, and they're a fast-growing company out of Boston. And it's interesting to note that they got upset, the employees did, when they figured out that a government contractor was going to buy $200,000 of bedroom furniture for a detention center for up to 3,000 children. And migrant children are being treated in facilities that have been referred to as squalid. So the employees, five hundred plus of them, sent a letter to the CEO saying, "We want you to act as if you had our morals and don't sell furniture to these people who are going to put the kids in these beds." Um, now the Twitter account, some Wayfair employees asked the company to donate, you know, the profit from the two hundred thousand dollars and the beds to a nonprofit that provides legal services to immigrant families it was a mess of a day yesterday it's tough to say who's on the right because the wayfair employees typically they're under 35 they're running call centers kind of thing they're helping people order furniture um so they're millennials and millennials are said to have you know they want to do things socially correct companies like warby parker who donate eyewear if you buy eyewear from them Companies that, you know, donate shoes if you buy shoes from them to people who need shoes and eyewear. Millennials get behind that cause. My generation, we want 40% off. (laughs) We want to buy it at a discount. We don't care what you do with the profit. So the employees who want it to protest, it's kind of a, a damnation game because when do you draw the line and say, okay, so treating migrant children is bad, but what if some employees don't like gay marriage? Or what if some employees don't like people of color? Or what if some employees don't like Russians? Um, you kinda, if you're in business to do business, you can't really discriminate, even if it's an evil company that wants to buy your goods. So uh, Wayfair is the latest company to find itself in the crosshairs of conducting politically charged business. Starbucks got caught in a blowback a couple of years ago. Alphabet and Google saw employee walkouts protest the company's sexual harassment policies. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, invested, and more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show. Big event coming up in early July, a seminar in Palo Alto at the Elks Lodge. You can sign up for it at Rob Black Show. Use code RADIO25. Catch
0: Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves, weekday mornings from
1: 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW, and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. I'm Rob Black, talking money, invest into more. I hope you come out to the July event in Palo Alto. I'm seriously starting to think of my career as winding down. I I don't have a timetable on it, but I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, So I do want to meet as many of you as I can. You can show up to the event at Palo Alto at the Elks Lodge. Use the code radio25 to get in for free. And uh, hope to see you there. Um, What's kind of interesting about Apple, I just downloaded their OS 13 beta it's got dark mode and it's kind of makes the phone fresh again it's it's odd that i say that because all it does is change the background color to black from white but the it changes the way you look at your phone it changes it for me what's what's old is new in the world of apple right now i own shares of apple new ipod touch is a nostalgic nod to the past i cracked i found one of my old ipods and it still does messaging well and it still does apple music well you could still use it at the gym nicely. It's incredibly small, all things considered. But Apple just released a new iPod. And it makes you wonder, why? <laughs> you know, Apple also has a diabetes product now, which is blowing my mind. Uh, in their Apple Store, you can buy uh, something called OneDrop, which is a blood glucose monitor. It closely integrates with the iPhone and the Apple Watch. And it still does the blood prick, but it kind of looks cool. And it shows you that Apple's really trying to go after that health app. And down the road they really really want to get a sensor on that watch that could you know read your blood levels through your skin versus getting a, a, a prick so to speak from a needle so one drop is aesthetically designed blood glucose monitor with a iphone app that integrates with apple's health app um apple's greatest contribution to mankind if they can come up with a diabetes monitor glucose monitor would be pretty fantastic uh we're a nation who's getting fatter bigger We're a bunch of upa And diabetes is going to start taking a lot of lives. So that's out there. But that wasn't really the story that I wanted to do here. I want to talk a little bit more about the iPod. Steve Jobs once unveiled the first iPhone in 2007. He famously called it an iPod, a phone, and an Internet communicator. All in one device. You forget that the product that really pulled Apple out of its funk was the iPod. Before then, we were listening to music, and Lord knows... Awful, awful form factors. I had, I don't even remember the name of the company. I'll probably remember it by the end of the show, but I want to say it was an anchor or something like that. It should have been called an anchor because it was as heavy as an anchor. And uh, it was a hard drive that had a big hard drive protective case. And you could put it on your office desk and listen to your music all day. So basically, it was a portable hard drive. It had a little bit of a display on it, but not much. So. The iPhone, it was the first modern smartphone when it was introduced in 2007, setting the stage for today's mobile devices and everything we do, from listening to music, taking pictures. Apple just filed a patent for their watch to get an optical sensor put on their watch. Right now, it's the, probably the only thing that Apple seems to sell that doesn't have a camera on it, right? Now, The idea of carrying around a compact, regular device that can do just about everything has been the norm for people in their 20s. That's all they've known. Smartphones quickly replaced MP3 players as the primary means of listening to music. And we, Apple kind of took out a whole business. They kind of cannibalized their own. Sales of iPods peaked in 2008 when 54.8 million units were sold. And they've trended downwards in the years following because people just were like, I could use my phone. And I dug out an old iPod and you know, gave it to my boys and said, you know, here, if you're in the back using the computer and I text you, you better answer. And it, oddly enough, it does... Uh, I didn't know this. It it has microphone on it, and it does do an iPhone. It doesn't do the iPhone. It does the uh, FaceTime. Smartphones quickly replaced MP3 player sales of iPods. Peaked, and uh, they started cannibalizing themselves. Now, back in 2006, iPods were 40% of the revenue for Apple, and then it started dropping. So in 2019, why would they launch a new iPod? Why would anyone choose to use it over a smartphone? It's tripped down memory lane. Now, again, keep in mind the iPod could still do FaceTime. And you can still make audio calls with it to other Apple users. And it looks like a lot like its predecessor from 2015. They didn't do any redesign in it. They put some smarter guts inside of it. It has an old-fashioned home button with no fingerprint scanner, just like the iPhone 5. But its back is uniformly coded in aluminum now, so it looks a little bit you know, more modern. It runs the A10 Fusion chip, which is the same processor that runs the iPhone 7. So it can do augmented reality applications. But I can't really figure out a reason why they brought the iPod back other than nostalgia. Uh, you can check email. You can snap photos. You can watch movies. You can browse social media, but it has a smaller screen. Um, I feel like it's a little bit better of a music player when it's you know when it's used just as a music player. iPod just doesn't feel relevant at this point in time. Now, starting at two hundred dollars, the iPod isn't you know cheap nor is it expensive. It's the cheapest device that Apple sells, and maybe just maybe the way I'm using it as a how do you say this. Um, Maybe step into getting a phone for a kid. It's a less expensive path into Apple's ecosystem. Could probably be what Apple's trying to pull off. You know, get your kids using Apple Music. Get them using checking email. Get them checking instant messaging for $200. And then, wham, when they want their real phone, knock it up to $1,200 or whatever the going phone rate is for Apple these days. But I just don't get it. It, just, it doesn't jump at me as this makes a ton of sense. I wish it did, but it doesn't. Um... I don't think there's a lot to talk about about Apple. I was going to try to dedicate the whole segment to it, but I, I feel like it's been trading back and forth right now. It gets to the mid to, uh, low 200s, and it goes back down to 185, and it gets to the low 200s, and it goes back down to 185. Uh, kind of like big tech. Although, for me, with someone who's doing really well in big tech, Facebook, I continue to see their price targets move higher. This week, Apple did buy a self-driving car startup, Drive.ai. It seems to be an acqui-hire versus something that they're going into to try to compete with Waymo, Google Alphabet's self-driving car business. But Apple's not really talking a lot about self-driving cars. Big event coming up in July, July 11th, Palo Alto, Elks Lodge, 630 to 830, about income and retirement. You can sign up for the event at Rob Black's Show. It's Rob Black's Show. Use the code RADIO25 to get in for free. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. There's a robo-advisor named Wealthfront that now offers a new high-yield savings account. All you got to do is deposit a dollar in it, and you can get 2.57% on your cash. It's a high-yield savings account. Competition in the field is leading to higher interest rates and lower fees. There's no fees on the account. So if you feel comfortable putting your money into a app, a website, an internet bank, you can get 2.57% on it. That's pretty darn good. Um, your first $5,000 that you have with them is managed for free in perpetuity. So they're trying to get younger people to drop some money in. I think if you have an emergency account, I have no problem an emergency fund. I have no problem with you putting it there. It's not the easiest thing to get to, but it's a great way to automate savings, too. If you want to have, like, $50, $25 come out of your bank account every week and go straight into a savings account, 2.57 ain't the worst amount of money in the world. It's not a stick in the eye, if you know what I'm saying. I know you're saying, stick in the eye? It's better than what you were going to get at Bank of America or Wells Fargo in your local city. Women now outnumber men in the college educator workforce. woo And yet they get paid less. Boo. (laughs) I know you're saying, boo. Um... Let's see. What else is there thrown out there for you? It's interesting. One of the things I was looking at is one-hit wonders in music. Sometimes I try to tie music into investing. Some people are incredibly pissed off at their one-hit wonders. Goat yeah. You've heard the song tons of times on this show. Someone that I used to know. do, 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 He's pissed. He hates being a one-hit wonder. And then you get the people who did Macarena, which went four times platinum. Los Del Rio. And they're thrilled. Which don't, which could we do? Pepe Le Pew in this day and age or Speedy Gonzales. Were those cartoons incredibly racist or not? Nationalistic? Were they, were they too cliche? Pepe Le Pew. I don't know. Something about a skunk love and a cat always disturbed me as a kid. And to this day, it still doesn't sit right with me. So we got that going on. Um, PG&E. I want to hit PG&E ever so briefly. They're going to go into bankruptcy. They're in bankruptcy. But, uh, when they're going to come out of bankruptcy, the stockholders may not like what they have, what they get. I would be very, very cautious if you own stock at this point in time. Company's market capitalization is about eleven billion dollars, which means shareholders at best would be left with a much smaller ownership stake than they had before. They need to raise thirty billion dollars in cash, and eighteen billion of that would come from the sale of new shares. And they're going to change their name to possibly Golden State Power and Light and Gas. Because Pacific Gas and Electric will be no more. Um, be cautious because the way this, the bankruptcy set up, the first $18.4 billion is going to get to the victims of the wildfire. There ain't going to be a lot of money there for shareholders to have comp- haven't left in the company. So just throwing that out there for you. Big event coming up in Palo Alto at the Elks Lodge. You can sign up for it at Rob Black Show. It's on the July 11th. It's going to be about income and retirement. CFP Chad Burton will be there. Let's bring on Chad right here, right now, talk a little financial planning. Chad? Now, certified financial planner, Chad Burton. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. He's got a radio show. He's got a podcast. There's a lot of information, a lot of good education about financial planning and retirement. I want to talk a little bit with you right now, Chad, about... When I got in the industry, actively managed mutual funds were huge. Oppenheimer was huge. They had tech funds. They were sexy. I didn't mind paying 2 to 3% to get huge technology returns. But then I kind of started learning about indexing and just being the market and going with it and cutting my cost down. Um, passive investing versus active investing. I think I used to be more of an active investor. Now I'm more of a passive investor, even with the companies I buy. Uh, does that make any sense? I, I kind of like to buy companies that I could pass on to my kids. I'm very passive about it,
2: yeah, I mean everything you have to look at everything i mean g is an example of that right you You thought twenty years ago you'd be able to hold G till the day you die, but yeah. then they they you know totally screw up and buy a bunch of business at the top and sell them at the bottom um, and you have to look at things like dividend growth, and if that stops or a dividend's cut you got to sell a company um, but in terms of i mean when I got into the business, yeah, the average mutual fund fee was one and a half percent. With a load to get in. And now companies are offering free ETFs that have no management fees at all, where you can get broad market exposure. They're going to try to sell you other things or give you less money on your cash, but you can get in and be a part of the broad market exposure, um, which is really for your first $250,000 the way to go. You get some, you know, I would do at least 20% international. Yeah, if not more like thirty, um, if you're younger and more aggressive, because we're the U.S. is only you know what twenty five percent of the global GDP growth now.
1: Would you do so, Would you do international with something like Coca Cola or, or Apple, who has sales overseas, or would you go with a company like Citroen, uh drink? You know, like a, a company that's truly French. Um,
2: no, you would go with an actual. So this is where you kind of stray out of the world of indexing a little bit at some yeah. point. So. What I do is a mix of it all, okay. um, where we see that most large-cap managers cannot outperform the S&P 500 over a long period of time. And those that do tend to leave that fund company. And so, the yeah. very few of those funds stay around 10 years from now. So, you might get in now, and then the manager leaves, right? So, so what's the point? We actually do some individual stock picking when it comes to looking at the S&P 500, whittling down the stocks that have a dividend increasing history and it creates kind of like an index with some rules around it gotcha. some funds call that a smart beta right it's a way to get broad exposure but you you narrow down your search with rules and um, that includes rules like selling like if you see free cash flow decline a, a dividend drop over leveraging you sell the company and you move on Uh, But then it's around that we surround it with large cap value indexing, um, large cap growth indexing. And then for small cap and international emerging markets, I like a mix of indexing and managed. And I mean, if you've seen some of the things go on in the Russell 2000, you'll know what I'm talking about. Why you might want to have some managed and some rules behind the stocks that you're picking in the small
1: cap world. I like that, and um, I think I've made mistakes being an active investor, so I've learned to probably be more passive in my approach, because when you're active, you're like, ooh, Under Armour just fell. Maybe I'll buy that, and when they have a problem, it tends to be more than one problem, but I'm digressing. You know what? It's kind of funny. We were just talking about mutual funds. I got a chance to meet Dan Niles a couple weeks ago, and he left Robertson Stevens. He was in charge of their tech fund at one point in time. I got a chance Mm -hmm. to meet him. I almost peed my pants. That's how much active (laughs) mutual fund managers meant to me in the heyday. And you're right. He left the company and started his own company. And then it wasn't a mutual fund. It was for wealthy, net, high net worth people.
2: Right. And then, those hedge funds. Most hedge funds are not keeping up with the market, either. So, that's why so many hedge funds are dying these days. But look, you you get through points in time where you look at the Russell 2000, which is an index of small-cap stocks It's very popular right now. We're at the point where 33% of the companies in the index don't have earnings, Rob. They don't make any money. And those are pulled out when you're calculating the P.E. ratio, the average P ratio of the Russell 2000. So, when you get through elevated or or late cycle issues, you can end up with more risk in certain indexes than you even know about. And then the the leveraging inside small cap companies with interest rates so low is at a very high level, too. So, I want a little bit more smarter approach to my small cap picks right now than just a blind index.
1: Super fast. Do you think passive indexing will cause a market crash? Because when it goes bad... Everyone's passively investing. There's so much passive investments out there now. Will the indexing cause a bigger crash? Yeah, but the the
2: farther it goes, the quicker it'll likely come back later on. So, I think you're seeing an increased volatility because of that issue, but I don't think it'll cause a bigger crash.
1: Sounds good. The mind of CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. It's newfocusfinancial.com. Sign up for the podcast. Sign up for newsletters. Sign up for uh, some downloadables. You can get it all at newfocusfinancial.com. Mario and Luigi will not be at the big seminar coming up July 11th because they're characters in Super Mario Brothers. They went around and collected digital coins. Could have been called Bitcoins. Seminar coming up July 11th in Palo Alto at the Elks Lodge will be all about income and retirement. Good event. You can sign up for it at Rob Black's show. Use the code RADIO25. It's a Thursday evening. It's probably my last stop by Palo Alto this year uh, because the year's going by fast, is it not? Now, Bitcoin has had a wild, wild week. I know you're saying, week? It's kind of funny when you put it that way, right? It's had a pretty crazy run since June 21st. Where were you on June 21st? It's only six days ago. It was at around 9,200 and it went as high as 14,000. And now it's back down to about 11.5. You gotta watch where it is on a day by day basis, but losing $1,500 in value in just a couple days is pretty hardcore. But gaining that in a week, I mean, it's a great week, horrible two days. How does that even make sense? I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money invested, and more. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show. Don't forget to sign up for that event at robblackshow.com and use code RADIO25. Take a break here. Be right back. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. This is the Strumbellas. Another great thing that has come out of Canada. I almost went to see them in a show recently. Then I realized I had to work the next morning. I'm starting to get to the point where I'm kind of resenting working in the morning. I'm not there yet. I was listening to Howard Stern earlier this week, and he was all upset and been out of shape that Lady Gaga played a concert for Cirrus XM, and he didn't go because he had to work, and his wife went. and He's just a miserable human being, and sometimes I feel like I'm a miserable human being. But in my heart, I don't feel like I am, but I just live out kind of miserably. So we learned last week that Kali Kwai, Leonard, of the toronto raptors basically had a 20 year old beater suv and it's what we would refer to in the financial world as a piece of crap car now that's a level of frugality that's seen seldom seen in professional sports right you hear about how many football and basketball players go bankrupt just three or four years after they quit the sport because the cash flow stops coming in and they have big services when you own a home you own a mortgage and you own a home you own you know, property taxes and insurance. One of my friends got really, really mad at me last week when I talked about how reverse mortgages as a group have been known for some dirty, bad practices of going into poor neighborhoods, getting people like, hey, here's a hundred thousand dollars. Let's do a reverse mortgage and you'll never be kicked out of your house as long as you pay the property taxes and insurance. Realize that they couldn't always pay the property taxes and insurance, especially if they go out and spend that money on something stupid. Now, stupid is, stupid does, but one of the mistakes I think we make in this society is we don't protect people from bad, stupid financial mistakes. I don't like 99% of annuities for that reason. Um, $3 on coffee every day is a luxury you can afford, and people seem to have an easier time giving up large luxuries than small luxuries like cars. People like Suze Orman, her name should be Suzie Orman, but no, she has to go as Suze Orman. I hate her. I hate everything about her. I hate that she wears pants as, as shirts. It upsets me. Her, her color is wrong. It's like she's too tan. There's a woman called the Tan Mom who got into a lot of trouble on the East Coast because she was taking her kids to tanning salons and basically giving them skin cancer at age 12. Sue Orman says things like, that $5 latte you're drinking, well, you're going to just pee $5 right down the drain. And you're like, okay, I get it. I get it. I get it. Um, but that's a luxury for people and it, it alienates people when you talk to them that way, hands down. And one of the easiest ways to save money is to buy, to drive a piece of crap car. You know, I don't go out and buy 20 business suits a year. I haven't bought a suit in five plus years, probably 10 to be honest with you. I don't buy $10 juicy juice drinks. I don't stay at luxury hotels on road trips. I stay at luxury hotels on vacations, but if I have to, you know, fly for business, I'm good with the best Western. I don't mind. As long as the bed doesn't have fresh blood on it from a murder scene, I'm okay with it. And to be quite honest with you, some of the best mattresses you could buy are from murder scenes. So I think driving a Ferrari is one of the dumbest things I've ever seen. A Beamer, a Benz, I think uh, Tesla's. It's incredibly stupid. A Porsche. I've got a family member who owns a white Porsche, and he's a guy. What man owns a white Porsche? What's wrong with you? What's what's your peak car? Eh, millennials are car-averse. They're all about the scooter, the Uber, the, the the Lyft. I will tell you probably the easiest way to save money is to buy a piece of crap car. Um, I didn't have a car payment all of my 20s until my early 30s because someone gave me a Toyota Tercel and said, I'm going to give it to you for free as long as you drive it until it, it stops driving. I think I gave her $200. And I, I, I rode I it for 15 years. I didn't have a car payment. My insurance was lower and I didn't have a car payment. I still had great dates. I still had a great love life. I still had, you know, fun with friends. When we went skiing, I, we'd take their vehicle versus mine because mine didn't have a heater or air conditioning. It had a heater. But you couldn't throw skis on top of it because it just wasn't the right size. Um, I at least, if you don't own a car for $150,000, do not own a car. One of the reasons I'm kind of loyal to the brand of Toyota is that their cars last a long time and they have good resale value. You can't get exactly what you paid for for a Toyota Tacoma, but pretty darn close. So that's my financial advice. I'm sticking with it. Whether you like it or not, I'm sticking with it. There's a company called StockX that I want to talk about. It is a stock market of things, so to speak. It's a resale marketplace. You bid on products. They got into the business as one thing and one thing only at once. They were reselling Jordans. Are they called Jordanaires or Jordan? Um, something like that. And basically now it's an online marketplace for buying and selling things. It's called StockX. Um, but they're doing a lot more than shoes. I didn't know there was a market for basketball shoes. And Nike and everyone else is like starting to see that there is. So um, brand ne- brands need protect the essence of their brand availability of hard to find items direct relationships with consumers is super important so keep an eye on a company called StockX and go check out their website because i think it'll surprise you it's the company that's going to pull in a billion plus dollar valuation pretty darn fast it just got 110 million dollars of funding and it's called stock x so it is valued now at a billion plus dollars um, and they resell shoes handbags and watches but lots of sneakers You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show. Big event coming up in Palo Alto at the Elks Lodge. Sign up for it July 11th, 630 830 at robblackshow.com. Use code RADIO25.
0: Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells.